We, lo- we love this music, don't we? Do you know, it's actually quite important for not just the audience, but for us, because I'm like in the zone. This is now the 90-day Website Mastery podcast. It really is. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. We are live on LinkedIn. We are live on Facebook and on YouTube. You might be listening right now. You might be on the podcast. And thanks for being here. It's the 90-day Website Mastery podcast. Uh, we are why and you know welcome and why are we doing this well it's to celebrate the launch of our new program and the completion of the website best practice webinar webinar series we wanted to find a way to continue to share more advice and insights about making your website work harder for you and for you to feel proud again about your website we know that lots of people do not feel proud of their website And this is about helping you feel really proud. So each episode, it comprises of four segments. We've got the You Ask, We Answer. We've got website stories. We have um, the website engine room. And we have the website call to action. One change or adjustment that you should be making on your website right now. As you can see, we've got Pascal Fintoni with us. How are you, Pascal? I am very well, delighted. And this is interesting because this is a challenge for it. This is short form content, as you and I would understand it, because we are kind of multiple serial content creators. And in the space of half an hour, we want to really make a huge difference to you, your audience, and your website experience. Can we make it work harder, as you heard a moment ago? And as a result to which, can you take pleasure in sharing your website address? So without further ado, let's get cracking with... You ask, we answer. Pascal, what have we Mm. had submitted by the community this past period? This is actually taken from a recent workshop I ran for an organization supporting businesses in Candidarum. And it's all to do with the personal brand challenge and this idea of what am I supposed to put in the about us section of the website. And it's interesting because if you Google uh, the question of, of that ilk, you know, it could be what to write or what to include in the about us section of the website, all the web pages on page one of the search uh, engine result say the same thing. So there's some crazy plagiarism. So number one, don't do the about us section the way in which people are doing it because they've all copied each other either by accident or by following the advice. And I get it, you know, um, you could argue, well, isn't it obvious? Isn't that therefore why all the, the, the search results are the same? You know, share your values, share your history, share the founder stories and so on and so forth. And to me, it's a yes, but if you do that, you end up with essentially what's happened on LinkedIn, where all profiles in your industry look and read the same. <laughs> For me, the, the about us section is almost a bridge between the commercial side of the website and the social side of the website, the blog. The about us section allows you to be very creative. And it's not just about what to include, it's actually how do you express your um, story? This is where you can be multimedia. You could use uh, photography more than you would perhaps in the other pages. You could use videos. You could use animation. Um, but ultimately, you know, you need to use this page to capture the tone of voice and what makes you unique from a customer service point of view. Uh, and that's why I th- sometimes the about us section is awkward, Johnny, because the terminology invites people to write about themselves. But actually, as you would in good communication style, you've got to flip it and put the audience first. What do you think? Yeah, I th- I think it's the opportunity to show the personality of the business. 
and it's it's that first moment of how, how do you want people to feel uh what do you want people to be thinking the tone of voice how you talk how you communicate and yeah it's less about me 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 and it's more about you 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 so what does your reader want what does your potential client or your current client want to 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 grasp to learn to know to uh, you know whatever it might be but it's it's about I think tone of voice for me is the is is probably the key thing for for the about us page and and really getting to even know what your own tone of voice is that's that's <laughs> that's probably the biggest thing trying to find out you know what is my tone of voice and that's that's really important to figure out first and I think that the, the about us section, if we want to still use the term, is that blank canvas where you can be a bit more innovative, where you could try things and change your mind. It's not easier to do that if it's on the product page or, you know, or other important sales and commercial kind of pages. Do you use a newsletter style? Do you use, as I've done, understandably, a video style? How do you break, it, break up the story? And how do you maybe introduce a form of calligraphy and colors and even symbols that perhaps would feel uh, less at, at home, you know, forgive me, of a part of the website, but I still mean this kind of bridge between that and, and the blog. And, and I think for me, conversational would be the style, certainly, no matter after that what you choose in terms of words, images, and, and, and videos, and one that, in fact, could be the beginning of a bigger conversation, either face-to-face -face or if you do a blog series or, or a podcast. Yeah, like you've said, Pascal, I think it's really important to have uh, different types of media. So whether that be images, whether it be video, it's the opportunity for people to get to know you. And people people buy from people. People want to see human beings. Uh, they don't want to see stock photography. Uh, they want to see real life. And, and your About Us page is your opportunity to bring your business to life. And you need to do that through video, through, uh, through, through imagery, but also through conversational style content i like it therefore in conclusion the the about us section is not about us but it's about them you know your, your audience have you managed to still share you know your core values the, the, your why moment as i sometimes you and i refer to it and so on in such a way that the, the prospect of dealing with you is, is very appealing as a visitor but don't be afraid as well then to link to uh, you know, other part of the website so for example you could be mentioning the team rightly so in a more of a synopsis format but within that uh, a link internally to the full biographies of your colleagues or the team or even catered and so on. So I think the the the, the about us section for me is almost on occasion uh, as neglected as the contact us page. Uh, and perhaps as part of this podcast and more, you know, I'm inviting people to reflect and maybe invite people from different, you know, walks of life, invite someone who works in PR, someone who works in design, someone who is uh, from sales and ask them to challenge your kind of uh, preconception of the about us section. Absolutely. I want to move on looking at the clock because I am the, the uh, kind of appointed timekeeper to our next segment, the website stories. So this is about an article, a podcast, a video, an infographic that John and I want to review for you that can help us reflect what it means to be managing a website in today's economy. And our selection is actually 
quite an intriguing one because this is an article with the following title, Creating Helpful, Reliable, People-First Content, but it was written by the team at Google, more precisely, the Google Search Central. And this is an article, Johnny, that belongs to the, the kind of content-rich section on SEO. We've got a link in the, um, in, in the show notes. And what they've done, and I'll come into the details in a moment, I want to get your reaction. What the team at Google has done is creating a page full of questions that you should be asking yourself to make sure that your content is really there to engage human beings, forgive me, as opposed to the search engine and the, and the bots. And you could argue, well, that's another thing to do. I mean, search engine is, is, is a machinery, albeit, you know, programmed by people. We are, we've learned since, you know, the early 2000s to essentially create information that pleases the spiders. But here they are writing quite a detailed article saying, you've got that all wrong. You've got to please people first. Yeah, and, and I think this becomes even more important with the likes of chat AI, uh, where you've got uh, bots writing content for you. And so it's even more important right now to understand what Google is looking for from a, for, in terms of good quality content. And uh, and it's, yeah, it, you know, what, what's funny is that there's so much common sense in there, but it's a lot of things that people just don't think about or don't consider. And, um, but you know, if you, if you start getting to know, uh, Google, uh, and, and how it works, a lot of it is common sense. And, and it's, it's actually a really good article. It is. Uh, and to your point, it's common sense and almost disappointing once it's explained to you plainly as you and I might in doing our session. So, so what we want to do is give you the overview of the page to encourage you to have a read. I would share this with your colleagues. I would actually have a meeting about it and start mm. to use the question themselves. So what they're saying is they've designed a page to help creators evaluate if they are producing content where it's helpful, reliable, and people first. So they have a section called self-assess your content and they have content and quality questions. I'll give you a tease in a moment. They have then expertise questions. Then they have questions, are you truly focused on people first or are you trying to play a, a bit of a strange game? Um, and then this, the third element, of course, leads on that, which is, are you avoiding creating search engine first content? Fourth one, which is a bit of is a bit shoehorned in, I would say, in the style of the article, but actually very, very important. They're saying get to know the EEAT and the quality rate guidelines. And they're saying, well, what is all this? Well, it's all to do with the recent update, which I'm, I mean, each update bears on itself. But they're asking for content where there is the evidence of experience, the evidence of expertise, the evidence of authority and the evidence of trustworthiness. And all this then combined into this very uh, ugly acronym of EEAT. And, but have a read the article because, again, I told you, I told you a moment ago, it's so incredibly um, common sense. And then the final bit, they have got questioned about the who, the how, and the why. So like I said, it's an article you can read, but it's there to instigate conversation internally. Let me give you some examples, Johnny, of the kind of question that they're asking. So in the content and quality question, they're saying, for example, does the content provide original information, reporting, research, or analysis? And it's almost like going back to being a student, you know, look at the keywords, original information, reporting, research, and analysis. It tells you everything you need to know about the kind of content you want to do. 
uh, if the content draws from all the sources, that you to avoid simply copying and rewriting those sources and instead provide substantial additional value and originality. Does the main heading of the page provide descriptive, helpful summary? And so it goes on. But the one I really wanted to draw your attention to and get your reaction is on the who created the content question. Question number one, is it self-evident to your visitors who authored your content? Does the page carry a byline where one might be expected? And do the bylines, listen to this, lead to further information by the author involved, giving background about them and the areas they write about? Well, yeah, this comes down to the uh, the the evidence of expertise and trustworthiness and authority. And and if you you know what Google's basically saying here is make it abundantly clear who's written it, tell us a bit about them, and and help us understand why they are in a position to be able to give opinion on whatever that might be, and then give us a deeper. Uh, meaning so give us something clickable where we can go to a a, a more in-depth uh, author page where we can really get to know this person and their qualifications and their their uh, presence on the world wide web so what would make sense is that deeper link of the the author page that it links out to the person's linkedin the person's instagram the, the, the you know any wikipedia entries whatever there might be to then to then build that picture for google to understand who that person is um you know are they a real person have they got qualifications have they got uh, uh you know authority to be talking about this particular subject and so it's trying to build up the evidence base that this content is worthy of showing to someone mm. but isn't it fascinating if you Cash your mind back to when Google was invented. We're talking 1998, if, if not even earlier. The motivation, which is, I think is always fascinating, was, you know, Sergey Brin and Larry Page wanted to spend less time doing essays for the lecturers and more time going out having a great time. You know, there's there's nothing like laziness and the appeal of, you know, just having a great night out to ask people to invent great solutions. So what they were doing at the time, creating a search engine to review essentially published work from lecturers and they wanted, you know, their early version. Uh, the name escaped me. It wasn't called um, Google. If someone knows, you know, do put it in the, in the show notes. Um, I think it was called maybe a rub back or back rub, something like this. But essentially, they wanted to know which of the many, many things our lecturers have written is the one I should pay attention to so I can write my essay very, very quickly and then go out and have a great time. But what they had to do as part of the essay writing, they had to cite where they got the information from. And this citation, this byline, this idea of quick synopsis about authors has been true since the you know late 90s. And I'm almost kind of delighted that it has remained true in 2023. We're having a conversation where I'm having a conversation with my customers where I say we should really make your byline better. We should really link that you know to your to your biography page. And I didn't realize that until I re read the article, you know, again, that that was actually a criteria for the SEO. Yeah, how how important this is. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm. So, in, in terms of um, you know, helpful, reliable content, um, an article written by people who are in charge of a piece of machinery, but I think it's quite reassuring that they have this people first, you know, mentality. 
Yeah, and I think, and I think it's just one thing that's worth mentioning, by the way, mm. is that there's nothing wrong with using uh, AI content at all. I, I think that's really important to say. It's how you use it and what you do with that. So what you might, you, you know, if you if you were to use uh, AI to start giving you an uh, the, the framework of a blog or the or some of the in-depth parts of a blog, it's about mentioning that on the page that, you know, some of this article was written by AI. However, I, as the author, have edited, uh, fact-checked, etc., uh, etc. Et so it's about just being really open and honest and applying common sense to this that, you know, there's nothing wrong with using a bit of a helping hand, but mm. let's make it ours and let's make it factual. Thank you very much. So everyone, go and have a look at the article. Don't be put off by the fact it's written by the team at Google. It's easy to read. It's understandable. There's no jungle. There's not, nothing technical about it. It's just good common sense. And and you might find that intuitively all of you have been doing a lot of it right. We just need to get that 20% extra, um, such as, for example, who created the content. Super. Talking about getting things right and making our life a little easier. Let's move on, John, if you don't mind, with the website engine room. So in this section, we recommend one app, one online solution each that can make life easier as a website content creator and manager. So what have you discovered from the interweb, Johnny, that can make life easier indeed? So talk.to, T-A-W-K.to, it's a live chatbot um, and it's uh, it's free of charge. It's But it, it's really easy to use. What we're talking about here is... Um, adding value to your website and giving, you know, to some extent, Generation Z, how they use websites is so different. They're expecting very quick answers. They're expecting um, interaction very quickly. And by having uh, a live chat on the website, it's your opportunity to start engaging very quickly with a potential customer or a potential client. Uh, and uh, and my advice is explore talk.to. As I said, it's a free tool, very easy to add to a website uh, and gives you that instant customer service uh, platform where you can uh, have conversation and you can set up workflows and all sorts of different stuff. Um, but there's loads of live chats out there. Talk.to is one to look at. Thank you very much. And what is interesting is it's back to that, which is you made a comment earlier about um, honesty and, and clarity. So where people get it wrong sometimes, they've used live chat to pretend that, you know, the visitor was talking to a, a team member and, and very quickly, you know, you're not, you know, if you've been in the receipt of a badly disguised chatbot. And for me, that's just that, isn't it? It is you could have the clarity on your website saying, well, between the hours of X and Y on those days of the week, it will be Johnny or Pascal. Between you know any other time, you'll be talking to our digital assistant or whichever term you favor. So don't be afraid, anyone, to use the tools, but marry it up with that openness and clarity that Johnny spoke to you about. Um, I must confess that I had reasons to get in touch with a few kind of high street brands recently because of things that I was not too happy about. And... Uh, the live chat has been always, without fail, the one way to, to get satisfaction. You know, it, it works really well. So I think in a, in a funny kind of way, Johnny, what you're showing us is that whilst one could assume, well, ah, I'm too small or you know, my business is not right for that, the, 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 the bigger brands out there are going to be creating the baseline 
big like Amazon yeah. has become the baseline for e-commerce, will the others be the baseline for live chat? Yeah. I wanted to kind of bring to the um, you know to to the to the, the engine room, this idea of storyboarding. So I was looking at notes from our previous uh, kind of episodes and video has been a bit of a, th a threat through with us saying, have a video on, on the on the homepage. Now I'm talking about the about us section. And there's an important step for all of us before you launch into video recording. It is to storyboard, you know, what, what you're going to do. So visme.co can be used for a number of visual kind of um, content from reports to uh, kind of things. Um, but you can now, they've launched a free storyboard creator. So you can literally follow the link on, on the show notes and you can start to really create some static visuals to illustrate the point you want to make via a, a, a moving images. And therefore, I would say, in the context of the about us section that you know we spoke a, a, a moment ago, then why don't you use visme.co as part of a team effort and storyboard your next kind of uh, storytelling iteration of that particular page. So visme.co forward slash storyboard hyphen creator free of charge and have a go. I think it's going to really help out capture the point and also maybe point to you where you need to work a bit harder on some of the key messages. Yeah, and it's fully understandable why you're talk why you talk about video, Pascal. Uh, totally, and and please do not stop because some of the video you create is just wow, uh, and uh, and and it's 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 the key thing is it's a medium that engages. So you carry on uh, talking about video, don't you worry. Thank you very much. Now we've reached, uh, fortunately, but you know time is flying through the last segment of 90 Day Website Mastery Podcast, the website, Call to Action. So this is where we give you, what do we call this, Roger? Homework, prep, adjustments, you know, something that you need to do on your website to transform its um, experience. So what would be your suggestion for this episode, Johnny? Yeah, one change that you could you could perform on your website, and 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 how apt the uh, the name of this segment is the website call to action. Have <laughs> you thought about the call to actions on your website? And and I'm talking about that button that you're trying to drive people to. In fact, actually, take a step back. What is it you're trying to get people to do? That's the most important thing to list. What is it you want people to do? Do you want people to pick up the phone? Do you want people to uh, send an email, fill out a form, download something, watch a video? What's the key thing that you want people to do? And have you made it abundantly obvious to the user that that's what you want them to do? Take them down a funnel of what you want them to do and make it really clear that you're trying to get them to click this button. Think of the color of the button. Think of the wording on the button. And more importantly, think of the positioning and the number of buttons. So there's nothing wrong as you're scrolling down a page to ensure that you're continually throwing in that call to action. And, you know, again, sounds simple, but there's so many websites out there that have not considered the simple placement of call to action buttons and what they're trying to drive people to do. So what do you want people to do? And let's make it easy for them to do it. And what is interesting is I'm reflecting as I'm listening to you about the work that we do. Very, very often, you know, the, the call to action, and it, it may vary from the contact us to downloading something to paying to getting in touch and so on. 
what, what, what happens is people go through the, the effort of creating the website, or it could be a redesign. And so you have what I call the first pass. You, know, you, you have the first uh, kind of iteration of the call to action buttons. But in a way, I don't think it's the ultimate version. You know, I, th I think you just got to a point where the website had to be finished as a project and it had to go live. But the real reflection and, and the real changes come after. And you and I would argue, and actually, if memory sir, we, we covered that in the in the webinar series, where you have um, a schedule, almost like you would you would with, if I may use analogy, of a car, where you know there's there are times or even mileages where you have to do reviews of the car and make sure it performs well for you. And, and I think the review of the call to action buttons should be in a diary on a regular basis. I mean, would you say once or twice a year, or as often as the um, the market dictates? Yeah, and and you know, as the business evolves as well, uh, you know, what's what's working for the business, what's what's driving the most conversion, um, and understanding, you know, that's that's the key thing as the business evolves, uh, and making sure that you marry that on the website. Because if you if you were to ask a website owner uh, what they want people to do today versus you know asking them again in six months' time, things will have changed. No, absolutely. So for me, I thought I should. Um... You know, follow through the the conversation we had, particularly with um, your ask we answer with everything else about the about us page. And I want to recommend people review and create three types of profiles for everyone in the organization. Which I know, go, oh my god, there's twenty of us, thirty of us, there's five of us. You know, just take your time with it. But my recommendation, Johnny, is that you have three types. Number one, the byline, so that you as the author or contributor to an article can have you know, a moment to shine. So think of it as you know something that is very, very short. Then what I would call is a guest summary. So for future endeavors, when you are a guest on a podcast, indeed you are a guest contributor, maybe you are a guest you know, on a YouTube channel, have a longer version of the byline. That would be number two. And then number three, have a full biography, which can be indeed on, on, on the website or as a PDF to be shared, you know, independently. So three times, the byline, very, very short for you as the author. Number two, the guest summary, a bit longer so that, you know, you, you're giving a shout out when the podcast or the, the article is published. And then a full biography for people who are going to ask you and you can send that differently. And I think that's worth doing that. Now, the decision is yours. Do you start with the full biography and then edit down to have the guest summary and then the byline, or do it the other way? Just lean on your personal preferences. Thanks for the great advice, and also for bringing uh, that together with the advice that we'd read from Google's page. So really good, really good indeed. Um, no at all. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. That is it for today. This was episode four of our new podcast series, the audio companion to the 90-day website mastery program. For more information, please visit 90daymarketingmastery.com and you'll be able to book a discovery call with either myself or Pascal. We'll be back with another podcast episode. In the meantime, feel free to send your questions, share your preferred app and links to your website once you've made the changes we spoke about, because we'd love to give you a shout out. Bye for now, everyone. And we'll leave you with a fun video and audio montage whilst you go through your notes and actions. See you soon.